Welcome to another bonus episode of Women of the Hour. This episode continues in our theme of solitude, but this episode is also about finding much-needed community. Sylvia Rivera was a trans revolutionary. At 10 years old, she started hustling on 42nd Street to scratch out enough money to get by. Seven years of survival later, she crossed paths with history at the Stonewall Inn on the night of June 28, 1969. She was not alone that night. You're going to hear from a conversation with Sylvia that was recorded at her home in Terrytown, New York in 1989. She was cooking chili and drinking vodka and talking to the writer Eric Marcus. In this interview, you'll hear Sylvia called Ray, the name she was given at birth. Interview with Ray Rivera, Saturday, December 9th, 1989, at 4 p.m. Location is the home of Ray Rivera in Terrytown, New York. Interviewer is Eric Marcus, tape one, side one. The Stonewall wasn't a bar for drag queens. Everybody keeps saying it was. So this is where I get into arguments with people. They say, oh, no, it's always a drag queen bar, and it was a black bar. No. Washington Square Bar was the drag queen bar. Okay, you could get into the Stonewall if they knew you. And there were only a certain amount of drag queens that were allowed into the Stonewall at that time. We had just come back in from, um, from Washington, my first lover and I. We were passing forged checks okay. and whatnot, but we were making good money. I said, well, let's go to Stonewall. Let's do our thing. Let's go there, you know. Actually, it was the first time that I had even been to freaking Stonewall. I was in full drag. I was dressed, you know, very pleasantly. I was wearing a woman's suit. Bell bottoms were out there, and I had made this fabulous suit at home. And I was wearing that, and I had the hair out. Lots of makeup, lots of hair. <laughs> The police came in. They came in to get their pay off, as usual. They would come in, padlock the freaking door. As soon as they left, the mafia was there, cutting in the door. They had a new register. They had more money, and they had more booze. This is what we learned to live with at that time. We had to live with it until that day. I don't know if it was the customers or it was the police. It's just, everything clicked. Everybody just like, why the fuck are we doing all this for? The people at the bars, uh, especially at Stonewall, were involved in other movements. And everybody just like, all right, we got to do our thing. We're going to go for it. And when they ushered us out, it was nice, you know, when they just very nicely put you out the door and then you're standing across the street and shut in the square park and... But why? But why? All of a sudden you just feel this. Everybody's looking at each other. But why do we have to keep on constantly putting up with this? And the nickels, the dimes, the pennies, and the quarters started flying. Why? Why, why that? Why do people do that? The was payoff. That... that was the payoff. Oh, 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 oh. That was the payoff. It was to symbolize the payoff. Yeah. You already got... Here's some more. And here's some more. To be there, you know, it's just like, 
Oh, it was so beautiful. I just like, you know, it's like... Was it exciting? Oh, it was so exciting. It was like, oh, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're, we're fucking their nerves. The cops were, you know, they, they just panicked. Inspector Pine really panicked. Mm -hmm. He really did. Mm -hmm. Plus, he had no backup. Mm -hmm. He did not expect any of the retaliation that the gay community gave him at that point. Do you think all this was in, in part because people were so angry for so long? People were very angry for so long. I mean, how long can you live in a closet? I was already out of my closet. When you're obvious back then, there was nothing to hold you back. It was always the effeminate male or the butch woman. That's what society always looked at. We are the ones that went out there, and we didn't take no shit from, from them. We didn't had nothing to lose. Actually, you know, at that, at that point in time, you know, I understand the ones that held their heads down low because they probably had very nice jobs, and they had a family to go to. I was born to be an effeminate child. My grandmother used to come home and find me all dressed up. It's just like, I get my ass whipped. Of course, you know, well, we don't do this. You're one of the boys. I want you to be a, a mechanic. Uh -huh. I said, no, but I want to be a hairdresser. <laughs> I want to do this. <laughs> and I want to wear these clothes. And I was born July 2nd, 1951. At 2.30 in the morning, in a taxi cab, in the old Lincoln Hospital parking lot. The old queen couldn't wait. <laughs> she said, well, I'm ready to hit the streets. My grandmother used to always joke about that. I said, yeah. I said, you see why I'm always standing out on the street corner? <laughs> That's good. And then I was came out feet first. You did? Yes. Oh, so you landed on a... Mm, so I was ready. I always mention my grandmother because my, my mother died when I was three years mm -hmm. old, and she raised me. Mm -hmm. So it's my grandmother that raised me until I left home. Right. So you left home at 10? Yeah. I left home about 10, 10 and a half. I was almost 11. You know, the only reason that I left home at such an early age was because my grandmother came home crying one day. With the tears in her eyes, they're calling you a pato, which means faggot. Mm -hmm in the Spanish language. And it, it hurt her so bad because they were doing this to me. And she knew where I was coming from. She even knew. I had that much respect for my grandmother. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, want, I didn't want her to suffer. It wasn't my suffering. I was worrying about her suffering. How did you survive on the street? You became a street walker. You stand down on the street and you make money. At that age? That, at that age, it was easy to make money. <laughs> I don't know how many times my grandmother had to come and bail me out of jail. She was there. She always came and bailed me out. She says, oh, that's my grandson. I have to take him out. What were you in jail for? Prostitution, you know, right. bullshit, laudering. Right. Nothing major, you know. If you walk down 42nd Street, it even looked like a faggot. You were going to jail. She went to jail a few times. 
Oh, I went to jail a lot of times. The community is always embarrassed by drag queens. What do you think? Why do I think? Yeah. No, it's not why I think I know. Okay, why do you know? Because straight society always looks, oh, well, a faggot always dresses in drag or he's too effeminate. You got to be who you are. Mm -hmm. Passing is like saying a light-skinned black woman or black male passing for white. And I refused to pass. You couldn't have passed? No, I so couldn't have passed. Not in this lifetime? No, not in this lifetime. I just like being myself. Right. It's fun being Sylvia. It's fun playing the game. Sylvia died at 51, having struggled with addiction and homelessness for much of her life, even as she continued to fight for trans rights and LGBTQ equality. Since the recording of this interview, Sylvia's work has spread far and wide, and she's become an icon for resistance fighters everywhere. If you want to hear more from Sylvia and other heroes of the LGBTQ civil rights movement, check out the amazing Making Gay History podcast. That is where I personally want to live. <laughs>